Welcome back, Richard. It's good to see you after a, after an unexpected week off. That's right. Um, we never did get to that last week, right? We didn't. We tried to to reschedule uh, when we were going to record, but uh, it didn't work out because. But on our typical day of recording, you were away at a pretty big event. Big event in our family, right? Son got married. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So we were. Uh, we. I didn't realize how much time would be absorbed. You know, Richard, I was confused because I didn't know that that weddings were so complicated and that they took up so much time. This this one was. <laughs> it was. This one was. No, it was. It was wonderful, of course. But um, yes, it absorbed uh, much more time than we had anticipated. Yeah, but but we're back today, um, continuing on our little series here on. Um, looking at behavior. And um, today we're going to talk more specifically about sort of differentiating between behavior and misbehavior. Right. Uh, you know, in the last episode, we talked about uh, the ABCs of, um, of behavior, the antecedents, the things that come before the behavior, the behavior itself, and then the consequences that come after the behavior. Right. Yeah. Um, and the point that we made, and, and we like this idea of ABC. It's a, it's a nice, simple way to think about uh, mm-hmm. kids' behavior. Um, and we made the point last week that uh, in, in many cases, parents and teachers uh, want to know what consequences they can use to stop an undesirable behavior. We spend a lot of time um, answering that question. You know, what should I do? What's an appropriate punishment? What's an appropriate consequence? And, and we hear very often parents will come in and they will talk about what their children are doing. And they'll say, well, we, we have to have consequences. You know, it's, it's the most frequently heard phrase. Well, you we have to have consequences. We don't disagree um, that you have to have consequences. But coming up, this notion of coming up with consequences that reduce undesirable behaviors is just a small portion of what a parent needs to do. I mean, right. we understand why you're looking for that, but... Uh, but there's a larger picture here and coming up with consequences to stop an undesirable behavior is just part of it. Um, And I think that you made a, you made a statement just a moment ago, sort of in passing though we are going to expand on it and have expanded on it is that a lot of times when people talk about, we have to have consequences, what they're talking about is we have to have punishments. How how can I punish my child sufficiently so that this behavior will stop forever? That's really the, that's that's the, the question they're asking, but but doing that and and we agree that sometimes you do need to do that, um, but but in most other cases um, we we lose sight of the other things that you do as a parent or that you should be doing as a parent, because um, most of your time should be spent teaching kids the things you want them to know how to do, and designing environments that minimize the chances of producing what you would call misbehavior. So right. that's where you should be spending your time and energy uh, rather than thinking about how can I more effectively punish? Mm-hmm. You should be thinking about, uh, you should be spending more time teaching and also designing antecedent, the conditions that produce the behaviors that you want. Right, that's the thing is that, you know, one of the one of the biggest things that we promote is the idea of focusing on the antecedents more so than focusing on the consequences. They, they, of course, there have to be consequences. Right. But what, what parents often fail to, to recognize is that 
the, the consequence of one behavior tends to be the antecedent of the next behavior. That's so, right. you know, you ask a question, um, did you get your homework done? Mm-hmm. When you know the answer is no, but you ask them that anyways, right. Right. they're going to say no. And then you're going to get onto them because they didn't, uh, that they're, they're not telling the truth that they did have homework. And then it results in a, that right. results in another blow up, another behavior that's problematic. And so they, they lied and now they're fighting and now they're arguing and now right. they're slamming. And it's just ABC, ABC, ABC over and over and over and over again. That's right. If we focus on the initial antecedent, many times we can avoid all of those behaviors mm-hmm. and just not give the child the opportunity to engage in the problematic behavior that we mm-hmm. know that they are going to do. It is the simplest way to avoid many of the parenting problems that most of us experience. Right. Um, if, if you, we want, we're encouraging you to spend more time on A than C. Okay, right. that's the first thing we want to encourage. And antecedents are all the things that you do, or they're the circumstances that exist that produce the behavior, or in some cases, misbehavior. And the, the classic example is, you know, don't make a quick stop at the grocery store if your kids are tired and hungry, because that's an antecedent. The antecedent is, we're going to stop at the grocery store. The kids are tired and hungry. Everybody's in a bad mood. That that's not going to that's going to lead to some behavior problems, right. probably. Okay, so we want you to establish antecedents that encourage and foster the behaviors that you want. Okay, right. um, so we believe in consequences, but we also believe that you should spend more time um, creating emotionally healthy places mm-hmm. and selecting antecedent conditions, creating antecedent conditions that foster what you want. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and we don't, it's not that we don't believe in consequences from the perspective of that there need to be consequences. Right. We just believe that people over rely on them. They, they, they focus so much on the consequences that they're not doing what they could be doing to provide that environment and, you know, minimize those antecedents that cause the bad behavior to begin with. Right. And, and you, you in the past where we've talked about how the more you do something, the more your brain gets accustomed to doing it. So the more you set up an environment for your kid to engage in the misbehavior, the more likely they are to engage in the misbehavior. Right. And you said you hit the nail on the head a few minutes ago. You said what the, what what most of us are looking for are punishments. You know, how can I punish more effectively? And um, it's that and we're going to talk about consequences, because when, when we talk about finding a punishment, that's a kind of a subset of a consequences. Right. We want to talk about consequences and we're going to talk about consequences in episode five. This is episode four of this series. In the next episode, we're going to talk about consequences because most of us don't use consequences effectively. Right. Okay. So not only do we want to spend more time on A than C, but we also have to, we also want you to relearn how to use consequences more effectively. Right. But so to understand before we get to C, today we want to talk about B. Right. Okay. So we want you to use more antecedents. We're going to talk about consequences, but today we want to talk about behavior. Right. And, and, behavior, and, and, and what, what people refer to many times as misbehavior. And we, we right. often put miss the MIS part in brackets because right. um, behavior is behavior. 
it's it's a behavior is anything that anyone does to have a need met or to accomplish something or to express an emotion. A behavior is anything that we do externally. That's right. Um, you know, some will argue that thoughts and thinking and and you know, mm-hmm. sort of solving problems in your head that that is that too is a behavior, though you can't see it. Right. Um, but typically, when we think talk about behaviors, we're talking about things that people do that you can see. Right. And and if you think about behavior or misbehavior, and it doesn't matter which which one, but just talk about behavior. It's it's what kids do to get their needs met. You know, mm-hmm. a, a newborn baby will cry right. because it's hungry or cold or has a pain somewhere. So behavior is anything we do to get our needs met. But it's also a way to express emotions. You know, a temper tantrum is a way to express emotions. If you're three years old, you can't say to your mother, well, I've had a very bad day today. I'm in a horrible mood. I just want to be left alone or I just need to be held. Three-year-olds don't do that. They don't have that. They don't have the skills to do that. And so they have a temper tantrum. Mm -hmm. So if you think of behavior as getting your needs met or expressing your emotions, um, you you sort of rethink, reconceptualize what what how you react to your child's behavior. Right. It's one of those two things. Right. And so in most cases, kids will engage in a behavior for one of three reasons. Right. One is it's just something that they can do. Um, because you know, as kids grow up, they become more capable and more competent at doing things. So you know, your 10-year-old can do things that your five-year-old can't do. Right. Um, but each year, sometimes each day, they develop more and more abilities. And right. so the more things that they can do, the more things that they're going to want to do and they're going to try to do, the more success they have at doing things, the more things that they're going to keep trying to do. Right. And and parents, I mean, you have to you have to remember that, that every year your kids are going to become more complex and they're going to have additional challenges. Teenagers are much more difficult because they have many more behaviors that they can do. They have a much larger arena to perform in than a three or four year old. Right. So remember that behaviors are going to increase in complexity and in and in the, 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 the amount of challenge that you face as kids get older. And we have to change as they change. You, you can't use the same approaches with a with a 15-year-old that you can use with a three-year-old. Um, yeah. it, it's a completely different set of circumstances. And so we wouldn't encourage you to do this, but you can smack your bottom. If you have a toddler, you can smack their bottom. They have a diaper on and all that stuff. You don't smack the bottom of a 13-year-old. Right. I, I hope you don't. Okay. Right. So that kids, kids will behave in more complex ways each year and right. you, your, your interpretation of what they're doing and your response to what they're doing has to keep up with their changing behaviors. Right. So, so the first reason they behave and, and engage in behaviors is because they can. The, the second reason is because they have to. Right. Um, they must. They, they, they have to express their emotions. They have to, you know, um, answer questions. They have to, you know, just like we have to, they respond, they have to respond to things going on around them. So if, if somebody is getting onto them or something's happening, that's upsetting them, they're going to express their language. Um, Especially when kids are young, behavior is their form of language. You know, 
one of the one of the examples we've used before is um, the idea of throwing a baseball. You know, I, I sometimes will have in demonstrating to parents, you know, um, tell me how to throw a baseball. Don't it, it, pretend like I can't see you and, and tell me how to throw a baseball. It's really difficult to use words to teach someone how to properly throw a baseball. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when when words fail you? You resort to behaviors, movements, and so you demonstrate and you hold the person's arm and you show them what to do. Well, when a kid needs to communicate something and they don't have the language for it, right. they're going to engage in a behavior. That's right. To express mm-hmm. that. That's right, and that's especially true with big emotions, with intense right. emotions. The more intense it is, the more difficult it is for a child to express it. Um, Children younger than than about 10, 9 or 10. I mean, you don't even have the vocabulary to name all of your emotions um, until you're older. Um, Because, you know, you have over 300 emotions. Well, a child doesn't have the vocabulary to express how they're feeling or why they're feeling the way they do. So this is especially true with intense emotions. So the stronger the emotion, the more likely it is that a child is going to demonstrate rather than verbalize, okay? So the next time your five-year-old child expresses an intense emotion, and what would they do? They'd say, I hate you. You're the worst parent. You're the worst mother ever. You're the worst mom ever. Your child doesn't really hate you. Right. Okay? She's just trying to express a very intense emotion using the few tools that a five-year-old has. I mean, there are not many ways the, the toolkit of a five-year-old is not that big. There aren't right. that many tools in it. So they use the skills that they have. So, so your child is trying to communicate some emotion to you and they're using, the, so, and, and that's, that becomes an effective tool. I hate you at least gets your attention. Right. They don't really mean to hate you, but they need to have your attention because there's some intense emotion boiling inside them. Absolutely. Right. So, they, behave, they do engage in behaviors because they can. They engage in behaviors because they must express themselves. And the third reason is, this is the, this is the, the joyful one, is because they want to. They want. Right. You right. Know, we have kids that we work with who, who engage in behaviors just because they want to. There, there's no logic. There's no reasoning. There's <laughs> no purpose, apparent purpose behind it. It's just they it's just what they want to do you know i it you know you think of the child she gets her barbie doll she puts toothpaste in the barbie doll's hair and she paints the bathroom walls with it there's no need being met there's no emotion being it's just sometimes kids just do what they want to do for whatever reason I, i we don't always have an explanation and sometimes they do they make the same wrong decision they they engage in the behavior that we don't want them to engage in repeatedly even though they know they're not supposed to do it but they still do it again because they want to right right maybe it's meeting some need but the kid again you know as you were saying a moment ago especially with younger kids they can't necessarily verbalize what need is being met Right. They, they're not going to say, oh, well, I have this deep seated feeling that you're going to abandon me. And so I keep engaging in negative behavior so that you'll keep coming home and interacting with me and picking me yeah, up. I have, I have a deep seated attachment disorder. Right. And I'm afraid that you might. I mean, that, that's not how this works in young children. Right. 
So in, instead, they just refuse to go to school or they just fight uh, people at school so that mom will have to come home, come and pick them up. And you're like, why do you keep doing this? And they're right. like, but it's, I don't know. I it's don't know. something that we don't know, but they don't. It's, that's just what they're wanting to do. Right. So whether it's to get it because they just can, because they're more competent or they have to express an emotion or to get a need met, rather than think what, what parents need to do because children are, are just displaying these behaviors. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you have to think past your hurt and your anger when your kids act this way. And think about what feelings or needs, that the, the feelings they're trying to express or the whatever need they're trying to meet. Right. You have to think past your hurt and your feelings and right. your anger and, and try to figure out what is this, what is my child trying to tell me? What are they trying to express? What need are they trying to meet? Right. So yeah. our, our friend, uh, William Glasser. Right. Um, you know, very famous um, uh, researcher and clinician who, who worked with children for his entire career, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, career. Um, he, he talked about five of these needs. Right. Um, survival. Um, makes sense. Love, belonging. Right. Mm-hmm. Power. Um, right. that's one that a lot of parents know about, uh, freedom or autonomy. Right. And then fun. I love fun. I just, I just like fun. I just want to have fun. Right. It just looked like something that would be fun to do. And so yeah. I tried right. it. Right. I wanted to, I wanted to, uh, make a drawing, drawing on this wall, on this white wall. Yeah. That, you know, I, I got my uh, permanent markers out and I just wanted to do a drawing yeah. on the wall. Were they miss? Were they doing something wrong? Um, well, yeah, but they, that's not what the intention was. Right. It wasn't right. willful destruction. So, so the next time, as you're suggesting, the next time your kid mm-hmm. does something, whether you want them to do it or not do it, mm-hmm. um, instead of reacting because of the way that you feel it was an affront to you or to your position mm-hmm. or to your authority. Think about what the child is trying to accomplish, what their need is. And that is, again, another way to, you know, look at those as we kind of pulling it back to the antecedents that we were talking about a minute ago. You know, if you know that the need that they're trying to meet is to have fun. okay, well, let's maybe this time of day, this is when we need to find some activities for them to do to have some fun, to have some downtime. But you can you can adjust those antecedents, those environmental things in a way that meets those needs without the negative behavior. That's right. Right. And so instead of reacting uh, to how the behavior affects you, think about what need or emotion is being expressed here. Okay, this is what we mean by mindful, child centered parenting is that you're looking past your feelings, you know, and, and that's what we're. That's what that's what happens to us when our kids demonstrate some of these behaviors. We react. We're, we're hurt. We're angry. We're you know challenged. Um, our authority is being challenged. Rather than thinking about what it's doing to you, think about where what the child is dealing with. What what's happening inside this child? Um, and that's what we mean by mindful, child-centered parenting. Right. And and so we're going to get into and, and talk a little bit about misbehavior. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there are some times when a, a child is disobedient, they, they're not following rules, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And 
we, we, we label those behaviors as misbehavior. Right. I think that the first thing that we need to, the, the first sort of uh, elephant in the room is that, you know, the vast majority of behaviors, um, for the vast majority of behaviors, there is some context within which that behavior is appropriate. Sure. Um, it is against the rules to run in the hallways at school. Unless? Unless, unless somebody's chasing you with a chainsaw. Right. 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 You should run. Um, it, it's against the rules to, um, to yell and scream in the house. Uh, unless you're playing a game um, that your parents are playing with you usually, or unless you are um, in trouble and you're hurt and you need help. Um, so every behavior has a, has a developmental stage or a, a circumstance within which it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Many times what we're talking about misbehavior, what we're talking about is a behavior that's not appropriate for that context. Right. That's right. usually what we're talking about. That's right. Right. Because that's not, really, that's not really misbehavior. That's just if any, if we want to stick with some of those suffixes and prefixes, we can say that's misplaced behavior. It's it's a it's an okay behavior just in the wrong place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the wrong time. Right. And so when you start talking about um, children doing something wrong, when you talk about what we'll call misbehavior, um, there are times when what kids do feels like disobedience or defiance or uh, the child is making bad choices. You know, we hear parents say you're making bad choices. Sometimes what kids do it feels like disobedience and defiance and willful, sort of willful disobedience. But before you reach for consequences, and that's what many of us do, we will reach for consequences. You know, the, the child is doing this, so we reach for a consequence to try to stop it. We want you to rethink how you think about what we call misbehavior. Um, now, there is one, there are two types of behavior that I would put in a separate category. Right. right. Those would be dangerous and destructive. Right. Absolutely. I don't think anybody disagrees that anything that's dangerous, we put that in in a category and uh, destructive behavior, destroying property, uh, destroying, you know, anything. So put those two D's, dangerous and destructive, into a separate category. And we'll talk about those next week when we talk about consequences. Okay. Mm -hmm. But almost everything else. And I'd say, to me, I would say, and everything else mm-hmm. is is up for negotiation, right? Right. It's going to be circumstantial. It's going to right. be, you know, there's going to be some other context within mm-hmm. which you can argue that that behavior is not a problem. That's um, right. Because most of what we deem as misbehavior is either cultural, personal, organizational, or religious. So what do we mean by cultural? In the South, kids are expected to say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. It is considered misbehavior if you don't do that. Cussing or cursing. In some cultures, it's perfectly okay. I mean, I have families where the F-bomb is used and the kids are 11 years old. And the parents use, okay. So in that household, cussing is not misbehavior. Right. But in some households, 
It is. And, and, and that's a perfect example, because I remember, you know, the last few years when I worked in the schools, I had conversations with schools about this and teachers about this a lot that, you know, if, if that child comes from a home where using those words is accepted and then they use it at school. Right. The kids will be, at least initially, confused as to why they're getting in trouble for it at school, but they're just perfectly fine doing it at home. That's right. Um, it's not that the kid is opposed to you as the teacher or you as the school administration or anything like that. It's just this is the way that they talk in the culture of their home. And so they carry that over with them. That's right. They have to learn that that behavior is accepted in some places and not accepted in other places. But the kid may not be developmentally old enough to be able to do that. Right. So we have to give them those opportunities instead of, you know, reaching for punishments and looking at it as, okay, this is just a bad kid with all this misbehavior. It's just, right. you just got to think about it a little bit differently. That's right. And so when you talk about your child misbehaving, remember that many of the things that you call misbehavior are just cultural attitudes, more, right. you know, local attitudes. The other, the other part, personal, the personal things, like in some families, the children are expected to get all A's. Mm -hmm. um, or, you have to clean. Another good example is you have to clean your plate. Yeah. Right? That becomes a rule. And if you don't clean your plate, then you're misbehaving. You're, you're doing right. something, some punishable misbehavior. Okay. But right. it's not, but not, not cleaning your plate isn't a rule in every household. Right. It is for some, it isn't for some. Yeah. I, I think another big one that's would fall in the personal category is the idea of, um, I don't know if we should just call it blind obedience. Yeah, right. Do it because right. I said so. And that's kind of a cultural thing too, but it's, you know, it, it, where parents will say, you know, I, I tell him to do something and he says, why? Mm -hmm. And that's disrespectful. That's the, right. the big right. word that parents use is disrespectful. Well, I mean, again, in some circumstances, you want the child to ask why when somebody tells them to do something. Right. Um, yeah. So they have to learn the differences in different places, but, um, you know, but recognizing that that's not a universal expectation. Mm -hmm. um, that kids will, will behave, will, will follow rules without questioning or asking. For right. Clarification. right. And the third is organizational um, the code of conduct. Yeah. Uh, that's the best example of, you know, uh, if you bring a, a plastic uh, a knife to school, you know, it's considered a weapon or, you know, you're not allowed to be late or um, you're not allowed to have flowers delivered to the office. And so different organizations have different codes of conduct, but those codes of conduct are, are not non-negotiable. It's just the way we need to do these things in order for the organization to function. Yeah. Um, but, but they, but they are negotiable. Um, and then the last are religious uh, yes. sanctions. Um, you know, there are some religions where you're not allowed to, to dance or you're not allowed to use alcohol or you're not allowed to eat pork. Um, so we have these religious sanctions. But we have to remember that all of these, all of these sanctions, whether they're cultural, personal, organizational, religious, are social constructs. They're not in and of themselves bad. It's just that within this context, mm -hmm. it's misbehavior. Remember, Kids have to learn how to live in a context. Right. And so your job as a parent 
is not just to punish, but it's also to teach. You know, we have to teach these kids that the F-bomb, maybe it's okay at home, but it's not okay in a second grade classroom. Right. That's Absolutely. Right. That's the big thing is learning that the context changes. Right. And that's really tough for kids sometimes, especially when you, know, you think about the last three years, that context has been very dynamic where they were spending most of their time at home and then they were going to school and then then they would have to go back home again because of a COVID outbreak or something. And then they'd be back to school and it just keeps changing and adjusting. Um, it would be difficult for a kid to pick up on those adjustments and changes and expectations in different places because those places keep changing. Right. It takes a long time for kids to learn how to behave and perform in each context. You know, there's a, con there's a home and there's a soccer team and there's a classroom and there each teacher has different expectations. Right. And so you go to church and there's another set of expectations and it takes kids time to learn appropriate behavior in each context. Right. So what we so remember that what we call misbehavior is really just behavior. Right. And then you have to remember why do kids behave? Because they can, because they must, because they want to. Right. And and you know, kids they will scare us sometimes. They'll they'll frustrate us and absolutely our nerves. Um, but but it doesn't mean that we have to launch a full-scale attack um, on them by, by throwing every consequence mm -hmm. and severe um, punishment that we can think of at them mm -hmm. to stop the behavior in its tracks and prevent it from ever happening again. Right. The likelihood is, is that, you, you know, it won't work, first of all. You're, you're probably not going to stop a behavior like that. Right. But when you do that, what you're doing is you're treating your kid as the enemy, Mm -hmm. and, and your your kid isn't the enemy. They're not even not, not even an opponent. Right. It's just you're working together along this path to help them to become a decent human being. That's right. right. And to do that, they have to learn these things through experience. And, and as we as we move toward next week's topic on consequences, uh, kids are going to do things that scare you, that frighten you, that annoy you. It doesn't, and you're right, it doesn't mean that you have to launch an all-out counterattack. And I think that's particularly true with the first offense. Mm -hmm. For example, the first time that a parent is lied to, uh, 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 did you get your homework done? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Don't overreact at the first offense. Right. Let, let's, let's figure out what we're dealing with here. Why, why did you lie? <clears throat> so you don't ask that question, but you have to figure out why it's a child lying about homework because that's a homework issue. It's not a it's not an honesty issue. That's right. a homework issue. So right. just because they frighten and scare and annoy us doesn't mean you have to launch an attack. So many parents, they talk about their kids as though they're an enemy. You know, I have to I have to somehow conquer. I have to vanquish my children. I have to punish my children as though, you know, we've had a battle. And, and so now I have to punish them into submission. Your kids are not your enemy. They're not even opponents. You know, you're in this, you are in this together. Right. Okay. And, and, you know, you, you think they're being disrespectful. So I have to crush you or you broke a rule. So I have to punish you. That's how we deal with, that's how we deal with things in warfare. Right. Uh, raising children is not warfare. Right. Um, it's a, it's a completely different um, endeavor. So right. we need to, we need to rethink um, our relationship with our children, and especially how we react to them and how we react to their behavior, and especially how we react 
to what we call misbehavior. Absolutely. We, we need to start thinking about ways um, that kids are engaging in behaviors to have their needs met or for expressing themselves. And, and when we do so, we tend to have calmer, less contentious environments and, and things tend to go much better. So, and as you said, next week, we're going to get more into um, consequences and we'll talk more about that, but those are going to vary by development. And so we'll, we'll kind of get into that in some detail next week. Right. All right. Well, until okay. then. Happy Thanksgiving. Next week is Thanksgiving, right? You are. That's right. That's right. So yeah, this will be our, um, so happy Thanksgiving to you. And yeah. uh, I'll see you after Thanksgiving. Yes, you will. Okay. All right. Until then, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.